I was trying to think what would be a good title and, and, and set it off. And late, early this morning, I got here a little early this morning, and I was looking over my notes, and I still said, okay. So then I said, you know what? I think I want to title this Fatherhood Ain't No Joke. Fatherhood Ain't No Joke. There are times that uh, we are out working in the yard, church yard, or doing some things, and as we're out there working and doing, uh, my brother, you know, we have about, about four acres of land here at the church property, 3.71, might as well say four, and uh, it's a lot of work to take care of this whole church, especially when you're talking about the lawn. Uh, it takes roughly about three hours, maybe a little over three hours, depending on how thick the grass is and how many times we have to cut it. So typically, Brother Bob is there. He does the hill and down in the valley where it's still wet and marshy from all the rain. We got a lot of rain this past week. So and sometimes he trims. Sometimes I, I usually do the trimming and help with the trimming and Sometimes I go down in there, but you know, if he wants to do that, I'm not going to deny him. I'm not going to deny him his pleasure. But uh, and David's doing the grass, and it, it's just a big job. And, and on days that it's hot, we, we David would say, "I'm going to tell you what, this yard ain't no joke," which means basically it's a lot of work. And uh, as I was thinking about that, I thought about this in terms of what today means as Father Father's Day and all that is entailed in that. And I said, you know what, as I look at what the Word of God says, and as I looked at what fatherhood really means, if you're going to be the right father, the right man of God for your home, in relationship to your wife and in relationship to your children, honestly and truly, fatherhood ain't no joke. It's an awesome responsibility. It's a great responsibility. It's something that... I personally enjoy, I enjoy being a father. With all the heartaches and the pains and the ups and downs, I got married, and I tell any young man that's getting ready to get married, you, number one, you need to want to get married. I mean, not just do it just to do it, but you need to be, want to be married to the person that you're married. And when you go into that relationship, what you're saying, what you need to say to yourself is, I'm in this for life. I know I take a lot of heat and a lot of criticism because I tell couples that I have counseled, you know, I tell them they say sometimes they want to write their own vows, and I say, that's nice, that's good. You can, you can say your vows, whatever you want to say, that's fine, you know. But for me to do it, you can say what you want to say, and then I'm going to say what I'm going to say. And what I usually say is the traditional vows. Because I think what you need to know, a couple of things, is marriage. Marriage is just not getting married to somebody, and that's a relationship. It's more than a relationship. God looks at marriage as a covenant. It's an agreement between what he says he will do for you and what you say you're give, going to give back to him. That's why typically in a wedding ceremony, the preacher would say, it's not to be, you're not to enter into it, or at the beginning, you're not to enter into this lightly. Just don't flip and say, we're going to get married and that's it. We're going to go off and live happily ever after. No, it's more than that. It's a covenantal relationship. 
And when God makes a covenant with somebody, that's a serious thing. And what you're saying before God, because you're standing there, uh, whether it be in a church or outside, wherever you're going to have it, but you're standing before God and you're saying before God and the people who you invite to your wedding party that this is what you're going to do. Amen? So it's a serious thing. And that's why I figured out, I came to me this morning and said, you know what, to do this justice, to, do, to, be, to have Father's Day be meaningful, we need to be reminded of some things. And fatherhood is serious. Fatherhood is a great privilege. But if you're going to do it right, you've got to do it the way God wants you to do it. Now, how do you know what God wants you to do? Well, that presupposes that you know the Word of God. And God, in His Word, has told us some things. Point number one. One of the things God requires of fathers is that we protect. Amen? He lets us know in this Ephesians passage that husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church. And here it is, gave himself up for her. In other words, Christ died for the church. Husbands, fathers, guess what? You are to love your wife to the extent, the same extent that Christ loved the church. And each time that word love is used in this passage, if you check it out, it is the word agape. God's divine love. God's only the type of love that God has. Now, to get to that, you got to, the only way you and I can love our wives and even our children, but we're telling, dealing with the wives right now, is that we are to love her as Christ loved the church. Then he drops on down in verse 28. He says, in the same way husbands should love the wives as their own bodies. Now, I don't know too many of us, male or female, but we're talking about men. I don't know too many of us that would do ourselves harm. We're not intentionally going to cut ourselves, maim ourselves, or do anything else. The same, to the same extent we take care of our own selves, we are to love our wives because we pretty much try to take, to the best of our ability, our own bodies. Amen? That's how we're supposed to take care of her. He who loves his wife loves himself. As you love her, you're going to take care of yourself. You're going to provide for yourself. You're going to do the best you can for yourself. The same thing that you would do for yourself is what you're going to do for your wife. Amen? He says, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Nourishes is a pretty simple word. It means to provide nourishment. You're going to do that. Cherish, you're going to treat with tenderness and affection. It's the idea of, it has a sense of warming something up. Amen? Warming something up. That's the relationship you are to have with your wife. You're to nourish her, and you are to cherish her. I will leave the rest of that up to you. (laughs) Keep your wife and children safe under this idea of protection. Provide that there's no hurt, harm, or danger well, come to them. If somebody breaks into your house, you don't send your wife out to protect the house. You do it. I sleep on the outside of the bed nearest the door. Why do I do that? Because I am the first line of defense. The door's here. I'm sleeping there. 
so if something happens or whatever, I'm able to respond. That's just common sense. That's what my wife can't do. The issue, ladies, is that you can't do some things, but there's some things you should not have to do. Amen? Hold this whole issue of what women can and do. You're missing the whole point. There are certain things that, yes, you can, but that doesn't mean you should. The other day, my daughter and wife were out the other day, went to the shopping or the mall, wherever they were going. I forget where they were. But they were talking about how this family was walking in the parking lot, and the, and the kids were just running away. My mode of operation was this. The kids always walked on the inside of me. If, the tra- if, this, if I'm walking to the store, they're over here. I'm in the first line. So if a car is coming down, it's not going to hit them. It's going to hit me. Second thing, they always had to hold our hand. I put my little pinky out or whatever. It wasn't just willy-nilly walking down. Out, just, hey, no, no, you walk right beside me. Or you hold my hand. When I go to a restaurant, I typically sit where I see the door. So there's something happening, breaking off. I'm like, okay, we need to duck or whatever. We need to drop, roll, and get out of here, whatever. Not that she can't do it, but that's something she should not have to worry about. She ought to have in her mind, my husband is, is my protector. We're walking down, down the sidewalk. I walk on the outside. She's on the inside. So if some idiot decides to walk, drive up on the curb, I'm the one. To, I'll push her out of the way, and I get the one that takes the brunt. Or if there's mud and ice and snow, I get it, and she don't. Protect. These are simple things that we have gotten away from that a lot of young men don't even think about or don't even know. I forget the movie I was watching years ago. Uh, had Robert De Niro in it. The Office, I think it was. It, the intern. That's it. Thank you. And he had retired. He was an older gentleman. And he went back to work. And he was in this office with a lot of younger guys. And the, 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 the one scene I remember distinctly was he had a handkerchief that he always carried in his pocket. And, and, and he said, uh, the young guys, one day, the girl was crying. She broke up with her boy. And he went and said, here you go. And so one of the young men who had nowhere to live and was lost said, wanted to stay with Robert De Niro. And he said, okay, you can stay with me. And he went to look when his home. He saw his clothes were all laid out. He had suits. He had shirts. And he had all these And he's like, Wow. Man, look what you got. He had his ties all organized. I mean, everything was organized. And he's like, let me ask you a question. What's with this handkerchief thing? What, what, why, why do you carry handkerchiefs? Sometimes, some guys carry two. One to give away so that if you blow your nose, ladies, you can keep it. Don't, don't. And then, here you go, Pastor. No, I don't want it back. You can take it home and do what you will. Pass it on to your husband after you wash it out. But... He said, I don't understand that. He says, you young guys, you just don't understand. The handkerchief is about them. It's not about you. Opening the door, letting her in the car, for that's all about them. That's not about you. The issue isn't that she can't open the door for herself. But sometimes, every now and then, it's nice to say, honey, before, you know, now here's what most women do. I can do that myself, <laughs> opening there already seated. And you're standing there going, 
I was going to open the door. Protect. Provide is the next point. Let me go back up to protect for a second. No physical harm, no mental harm, or no emotional harm. No physical, mental, or emotional. Protect her. Then my last point was comfort them, understand them, and meet their needs. Amen? All of that is under protection. And all that is involved in this Ephesians 5 passage where he talks about love your wives as yourself, your own bodies. Love your wives as Christ loved the church. Christ gave his life for us, the church. Amen? And to that extent, that great love he has for the church is the great love we ought to have for our wives. Number two, provide. First Timothy chapter 5 and verse 8 says, But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, family, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And in 2 Timothy chapter 3, 4 through 5 says, He must manage his own household well with all dignity, dignity keeping his children submissive. For if anyone does not know how to manage his own house, how will he care for, that, for God's church? Provide. Provide. Not only just protect, but provide. Ephesians, 1 Timothy 1, 5, 8 says, Now listen, buddy. Listen, man. If you do not provide for your relatives or your family, and especially your own household, those that live with, under the roof with you, if you don't provide for them, you've denied the faith, and you are worse than an unbeliever. Say so what? First base, first principles. Take care of your own house. Food, shelter. Amen? Then he also says, manage your house well, well with all dignity, keeping your children submissive. That doesn't mean they, they, they jump at everything and you've got the fear of them and they're afraid of you. That means your children line up with you. The kids are going to be kids. I get that. But as a husband, as a father, as a man, contrary to what you think and I think and the world thinks, God holds you responsible. In Jewish homes, it's the, the, the temperature is set, the thermostat is set by the man. Not by the woman. And I get it. Most men are working, they're out doing whatever, whatever. But, it most typically, and some, not so much typically, but in most homes, it's the mother that's there and she's there. She's also working and she's coming home. and she's, So she has a lot of the input. In, but here's how it should work. Her input ought to be no more than what the both of you are working out as you're walking with the Lord. You're doing it together. You're in tandem. Spiritually. So men, we are responsible for the spiritual temperature in our home. Your kids will line up and you won't have any problem if you're doing what God wants you to do. That whole thing about when, when, when he talks about how fathers are not to provoke their children, it has the idea of taking the spirit out of your child. You've got so many rules, so many regulations that if a child 
coming up, spill some milk or spill some water, you just snap and go off and like, what are you doing? Well, no, 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 kid, chill. babies are going to be babies. Accidents do happen, you know. Some grace and mercy. I was telling somebody the other day, some children get it. You don't have to spank them or beat them and all that. You simply get to talk to them. They got it. You say, now, you know what? what you, oh, 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 I haven't even started. I haven't even said anything yet. The others, I don't care what you say. I, I, look, they, they done tuned you out. They're not listening to a word you say. And you got to say to yourself, okay, you ain't going to listen to me. Well, maybe the art of instruction might help you out a little bit. And sometimes that don't even work. You just got to take them to the Lord in prayer and say, Lord, I don't know how. We're going to reach this one. But you can, I can't, we can't, you need to. For one of us gets hurt. Seriously. Provide. More than physical needs, it's just, it's not just about the money. Sometimes women make more money than the man does. So it's not, it's not about the money. It's necessary. But another part of that is the, the, the essential part is, yeah, you need to have a job and do, get out and earn a living, whatever, not just sit back and let your wife or your significant other do all the work, and you're at home twiddling your thumbs on the golf course playing golf or eating chocolates or whatever you're doing. No, God, God's not happy with that. He wants you as the man to be a man. The essentials. Taking care of the physical needs of the home. But then there's the intangible things. There's things like wisdom, direction, perspective. Those are the intangible things that as a father, as a husband, that you are to be able to give to your wife and to your children. How do you have wisdom? You got wisdom by you coming to the word of God. Pursuing after God. Pursuing after God gives you wisdom to handle everyday situations. Direction. Hey. Sometimes, as a father, you're responsible for the direction your children and your wife and your home is going. God's not going to look to the woman and say, well, why did you go off? We learned this morning. Don't go left. Don't go right. Go straight. This do what I said. And if you do what I said, don't look off to the left, don't look off to the right, follow the directions that I give you. Because if you don't, you end up with what we talked about this morning. You have pieces left over because you didn't follow the directions. Those extra pieces, those extra nuts and bolts that you have, you're not supposed to be there. They go somewhere. And if they're not, they will tell you in the packet, there will be some extra screws in us. But if they don't tell you that, everything that's in there is what you're supposed to put together with. And if you've got something left, that means you missed a step. And I like what Sister Marianne shared with us this morning. She said, you know, sometimes you don't read directions and you tighten the nuts and the screws and the bolts. And you tighten them so tight that you get to the further into the directions and you go, oh, wait a minute. It says you were not supposed to tighten them as tight as they could be because you still had another part to put on there. And I thought that was good because sometimes we tighten the nuts and bolts of our life spiritually and we don't know the full story of God. And God says, well, before you did that, this is what you're supposed to do. But you already tightened the screws and the nuts and bolts and now you got to go backwards 
76543 to step three to unloosen it. When if you would have just read what it said, not go left, not go right, just do what I say do, God says. And if you do that, you shall live and you shall prosper. And the reason why many of us are not living and not prospering is because we're not doing it God's way. Most of us exist in life. We're working through the mess and the stress and the this and the that. We live day by day. We exist, rather, day by day. We're not living and trusting in him. And they say, well, you know what, Lord? Yes, I have some difficulties. Yes, there's some things that aren't right. But I trust you. I enjoy my life. I enjoy living because I know you will provide. I know that you're going to take care of me. Be a God-fearing man. We were created in the image of God. One of the names of God is Jehovah Jireh. My God will provide. If he is our image, if we're to be image bearers and reflectors of him, then Jehovah Jireh ought to be part of who you are. You ought to provide for your family. We need to reflect that image of God. Number three, be a promoter. Amen? What does that mean, Pastor? Well, I'm glad you asked that. Proverbs 12, 4. An excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who brings shame is like rottenness in his bones. Proverbs 22.6 says, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. I really just want to highlight that first part there of Proverbs 12.4, where it says, an excellent wife is the crown of her husband. We are to be promoters. We are to promote our, our wives and our children to be the best that they can be. We ought to be their biggest fan. We ought to be their biggest cheerleader. You can do it, baby. There's nothing you can't do. With some effort, some time, some discipline, some, some practice, you can do it. You got to be able to say, you know, I, I, I'm not saying this because it's me. I'm just saying it's true. I tell a lot of my male friends, I said, you know what? I have been, of all men, I've been blessed to have a good wife, an excellent wife and an excellent mother to my children. I ain't saying that to both make her head go, because, but I'm supposed to promote her. I said, the things that I do, the way I can do some things, is because of her. Amen? I, she's, she's, I, some of the things my male friends struggle with, I have no clue how, to, how, they, how they work through that. I have a strong wife. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. I don't have to come home. You weren't home to be with me today, huh? Come on, where you been? What you been doing? I, I don't need to do all that. I have not, that. That's a stress I don't have. She just knows one of two things. Somebody says, where's your husband? Well, he's either out at a meeting doing something or visiting somebody, or he's at the church. If you don't see the van here, I'm out and about doing something. Amen. She ain't got a question where I'm at. You can say, he's either one of two places. And I always tell her where I'm going. I ain't just walk out the house and not tell her, hey, I'm going to the church, or I got to go out to Dayton today, this morning. I got a meeting in Dayton, or I got, you know, I'm going out to the hospital. Whatever, she knows. 
Amen? We have these little devices. Before we leave the house, we always say, listen, I'm mobile. So, you know, I just got a message. But yeah, we are to be the biggest promoter. We are to encourage excellence. Don't half step stuff. But they only, they, our wives and our children, as fathers, they do not get it unless we strive for excellence. Amen? And then we just need to appreciate who they are. An excellent wife is the crown of her husband. You can stand, the idea was when they were standing in the gates, you, you know it and others know it just by the life that she lives and the life she's allowed to live through you. You're her biggest promoter. You're your children's biggest promoter. You, 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 expect them to, to, you expect the best out of them, not the least. But that starts with you. Train up a child the way he should go. Even when he is old, he would not. The idea is you, I as a father have to learn the bents, the good things, and even some of the bad things of each of my, I had three of them. And all three are different. As a husband, as a father, I need to understand them. Now, I will admit, the two sons were easy to understand. That one all the way in the back, every day is a new day of learning. Amen? That's why I depend on my wife. I said, well, you know what? You know. Goes back to my point of, of, of direction and all that other but I love, I love them all. I love my babies. I was, proud. I was proud when Cindy made the dean's list first semester, and she got a thing in the mail. She made the dean's list second semester. I said, you go on, girl. Go on with your bad self. And I'm their biggest promoter. I'm her, one of her biggest promoters because I tell her all the time, I tell all of them, listen, the things that you're able to do is because of how you carry yourself. Amen? And whether you believe it or not, young people, Parents, a lot of it is on who. Some of it is on who you are and how you carry yourself. Some doors are open because they know you. They've seen you. They know what you're about. They know what you're trying to do. So when Joshua needed an internship, when he was in school, he had to do an internship for his sound and all this other stuff. And uh, he's like, Dad, I need to do an internship. I said, So where are you going to go? He's talking about going to. Atlanta to some of the music studios or Nashville to the music studios or out California. I said, well, wait a minute. Part of the direction and perspective was, number one, where are you going to live? How are you going to afford it? I mean, all this, I mean, it sounds nice. That's where all this stuff is, but you got to have money to get to Atlanta. You got to have money. Where are you going to live when you get to Atlanta? And what are you going to do? I mean, you're, it, it, most internships, typically, there's no money involved. They just let you work in what you're doing to give you a little practical experience. So we were going up to Parkside. So here's what I said to didn't know. I didn't know they did this. They, they, didn't, they hadn't even done it. So I knew the guy that did the sound and all their production and all the, the video and all that stuff. Whether you believe it or not, saints, what our kids do back there in the back is a job in a lot of churches. Big money is paid for people who know how to put all this stuff together. So I said, Bruce. I said, you know what? I said, uh, my son needs to do an internship. You got all this sound, video, and you do all this stuff. You ever have an internship? He said, no, we've never done one. 
But that doesn't mean we can't do it. Long story short, they did. They said they went to, the, went to their elder board. The elder board said, you know what, that's a good idea. So Joshua went with us one year to the conference. As soon as he got there, we got out, before we got out of the car, they put him to work. Oh, follow me. And the next thing you know, he, he got an internship. He was up there for about three months, two, a couple months, two months, whatever, and uh, had a great experience. They allowed him to put together, they do a, their Christmas with this Cleveland Orchestra and all. I mean, it's a big production. I mean, it's got the Cleveland Orchestra, people from all over the world. He was able to produce the soundtrack. Bruce said, all this stuff we done recorded, all that, you put it together. It's yours. It's funny because he called me one night. He said, Dad. I said, yes, son. I got keys. I said, you got keys. Keys to what? Keys to the church. I said, you got keys to the kingdom? They gave you keys to that? He said, yeah, they do. So at the same time, I need to come in and do whatever. I said, well, great, son. Why? Why did I do that? Biggest promoter. Biggest cheerleader. I said, listen, they've entrusted you with that. Now you do right. Amen? Promote your family. Be their biggest promoter. And appreciate who they are. I appreciate Tyler for who he is. He is me. <laughs> Joshua, more like Sheila, and Sydney's got little me and a lot of Sheila. I tell Virginia all the time. I said, "You, we go vacation. We've been on vacation with Virginia and Perry. We go off and we'd be talking, and she'd be just shaking her head, going, those two. I said, I live with those two. <laughs> you only get this every couple, every now and then. Now that they're spending a lot of time down in Hillsboro, she's saying more and more. She's understanding what what I have to go through. <laughs> I tell them, they're alike. They're, may they know biology, biological, but oh, they are a lot, a lot of like you would think. Yes. They don't say they, they, I don't see that. Well, yeah, I do. I'm there in the house. Appreciate. Amen? Be the, be, be, the, be, the, be the one that protects. Be the one that provides. Be the promoter. And this last one, which is a good one. I close on this. Be a praying man. All those other ones are good. But praying. A man of prayer. Amen? 2 Chronicles 7, 14 and 15 says, if, and I, I, I marked out, it says, if my people, but I put, if, if my man, men who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek his face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. Why? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Why do we pray? Why do we do that? Why do we pray without ceasing? It's the will of God. That's in Christ Jesus. Be a man of prayer. When all else fails... You try to do whatever. You have, you're confused. You don't know what direction. Pray! And it's a good thing. It would be a great thing for your wife, for your children to see you on your knees. Pray with your wife. Pray with your children. I mean, well, damn, I'm getting ready to do Wait a minute. Slow, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's pray about that. 
Is that what the Lord, would the Lord be pleased? If this, is this going to make us better or is this going to make us worse? Is this, do I think this, I'm, I'm, their, I'm their father. Let me think about this. Let me, okay, is that going to bring them closer to the Lord or is that going to take them further away from the Lord? If it's going to take them further away, mm, we, got, we got to talk about that one. We got to work something out. But dad, no, no, no. And even if, the, even if mama says, well, no, dad, no, baby, mm-mm. No. We really pray about that one because spiritual welfare is more important than other things. Other things are coming and go. See, we, we say we have faith, but we don't really have faith. We have faith because we're, doing, we're helping God out. Instead of saying, well, you know what? Lord, we're going to trust you that you're going to provide a way. They're going to be able to do, my child's going to be able to do certain things, just because I got some invested uh, interest in the bank. Amen? The other one, Second Chronicles, listen to what he says. If I as a man, a father, call, he says, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves, I got to be humble. I got to realize that I can't control a lot of things in this life. In fact, I have no control. If I humble myself and pray and seek his face and turn from my wicked ways. Oh, I got some wicked ways. I got some things that I need to get squared away with God. That's first base. You can't be a man of God. You can't be a father when you got issues in your own life. One of the biggest things that I see in our world today, and I don't know how we solve it other than get back to God, is that we have generational dysfunction. We have passed that principle from how we grew up to our family, and now the next generation that's in our household are going to have the same issues that we had, and many times we know better. We just elect not to do it because we think in the long run it's going to be all right. And let's just, as Brother Milt likes to say, hard to hear me say, how's that working for you? Because you thought it was going to work out in your case, and instead of getting better, it may have become worse. So now you're going to say that about your children. Oh, they're going to be, going to be all right. They're going to, they ain't going to be like me. Well, the apple does not fall far from the tree. But he says, if you humble yourself, say, God, I have blown it. I've messed up. But I'm seeking you. I'm putting you first. I'm seeking your face. I'm pursuing after you. And I'm going to turn from my wicked, my wrong ways. I've been trying to do my thing my way, and I'm realizing it's not working out. I want to do it your way. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, Lon. I got some reservations. I know it's the right thing to do, <laughs> but what's the cost? As a man, sometimes your wife, your children are going to throw a revolt. Dad, there is no, 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 listen, I have spoken, this is what we're going to do, but we're not, we never, baby, trust me, and if I'm wrong, I'll admit I'm wrong, and we'll work through it, but this is what's going to happen. Turn from our wicked ways. What's the cost? The cost could be that your wife and kids might walk out on you. 
ain't putting up with this. We ain't never, no, uh-uh. We're doing a 180. We've always done it this way. Now you want us to do it. Uh, no, ain't happening. I'm out. Somebody's got to leave. Me or you. I would probably say I'll leave. Yeah, stay here. That's, I'm, I'm cool. I'm cool. Because I, I know this is what the Lord wants. He's going to work it out. Oh, I'm going to be fine. That's my makeup. You can ask my wife. She's like, well, yeah. It's, I, we can act crazy all we want to. He ain't going to put up with it. He, I don't, I don't, I don't, I, I, I'm not one of these guys. We don't, we have disagreements. We may disagree, but we don't fight. Oh, no. I mean, that got, I got that one straight right off. No, 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 no. I don't get loud. I'm not going to fight. I'm not going to scream. I'm not going to holler. Because when you start that, you know what? I, she'll tell you. Click. I turn off the volume. And I wait for you to calm down and get your right senses about you. And then we can talk. Now, if you're not in your right senses, ain't nothing I'm going to say you're going to hear. So I'm like, Or I just walk out. When you, and I'm saying to myself, when you come back and, and she's never done this, but she knows how I would do. I just walk out. Time passes. <laughs> I come back in. I said, we good. We ready to talk about this? But she's never done that. We've never had that kind of problem. I don't know couples that do that. I'm like, I don't get that. That's not godly. That's not how God wants us to handle things. There's, 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 there's a right way and a wrong way of doing things. If my people rejoice in the Lord, always, not part-time, not when things are so and so great and fantastic, rejoice always in the storm and in the rain. I've been through the storm and the rain, but I made it. I can rejoice. Pray without ceasing. Pray at all times. Amen? I used to pray when I was driving my truck. Didn't close my eyes, but I prayed. I mean, that's what he, he's not telling you. Close your eyes while you're driving, but be in, the attitude, be in the attitude of prayer. Amen? Be in that attitude. Give thanks in all circumstances. No matter what you're going through right now, give God the praise. Say, thank you, Lord. Say, well, you Pastor, you don't know the problems I got. Don't need to know the problems you got. You serve a great God that's able to solve any circumstances you might find yourself in. But you don't know. We're about ready to lose. We're going to. Don't need to know. I know God. God is able. God has promised you and I that we are his children. He said, what good father would give to his children a scorpion or a snake? If I, illustration 101, go outside and watch the birds of the air. They neither, they don't go about planting plants and planting crops. They just eat as God does provide. And get some help from some of us. We put a little bird feeder out there. Thank God you do. But even if you didn't, God's going to make sure that there's the worms or this or whatever they eat. They're out there somewhere after the rain, after a hard rain. You go outside, you see all these worms flying up on the ground and then the grass. Guess what? Birds say, hey, this is our feast. It's like manna from heaven. He told the Israelites, go out. 
And they take manna. They'll take more than what you need. Take each day. I will put in the grass this coriander-type stuff on the ground, and I will have quail trapped in trees and on the ground. All you got to do is pick them up and take them and eat them. Pick the, pick the manna. Go home. Don't say, well, you know what? We need to have something to snack on later on tonight. So I'm going to take a little bit extra. No! Each day. What was, the, what was the point? God will supply our need according to his riches and glory. Amen? And many times as men, well, let me get back up a bit. Who knows best how to pray for their wife or their children? Should be the father. If you're watching and alert and know what's going on in your family, your wife's and your family's life, you're the best one to know how to pray for them. Amen? Yeah. We as men sometimes carry, there's a lot of weight on our shoulders. That's why I said fatherhood ain't no joke. There's a lot to this thing. As men, we carry a lot of weight on our shoulders. But we do have a heavy load carrier in Jesus. Amen? And that's not just good for husbands. That's good for wives and anybody else. We have, a, we have a, a burden carrier in Christ. You don't have to carry that thing all by yourself. Call on him. Our problem is we just don't pray enough. The pastor, I pray. No, we don't pray enough. Because if we prayed more, than we, if we prayed more we'd be more powerful. We'd be more on fire for God. We would be doing things for God that, we, that people say is impossible, but because we were praying people in a praying church and a praying individual, we would see, we would see great things done because God's going to always fulfill his word, and he's always going to answer our prayers. So what we need to do, we need to pray more. Bottom line is, why worry when you can pray? Protect, provide. Promote and be a praying man. I close with this illustration. He's not one of my favorites that I listen to a lot, but I did happen to hear uh, T.D. Jakes the other day. I was on the internet trying to find something, and this little snippet came out. He tells a story. He was talking. He was talking to men, his fathers. He was telling the story. He said, you know, I was in Nigeria over in Africa, in Nigeria. He said, and I was getting ready to preach to the biggest crowd I would have ever preached to. I was in the hotel room. I was getting dressed. I was doing my tie and everything. And he said, I'm thinking to myself, this is the biggest crowd I ever, ever, would have ever had sitting, sitting under listening to me preach. People were coming from all over. Like in Nigeria, they love coming to the house of God. They travel, walk miles, and they stay all day. Because somebody says, well, they ain't got nothing else to do. But, but that shows that may be true. But they have a hunger and thirst for the things of God. So he says, I'm getting ready to get dressed. And he says, I get a phone call. It's my wife. She says, my son just suffered a heart attack. 24 years old. He says, you need to get back. You need to get here. And he said, it was, even, it was a no-brainer. I'm getting ready to walk out to preach. 
I get this phone call. He says, I called the guy, the people who were over this uh, occasion, and I said, I, 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 can't, I can't come out. I, I got to go home. I said, what? I got to go. He said, I am right now in the process of getting a plane ticket to get back to Dallas. I, I'm not going to be able to preach tonight. I can't do it. My son needs me. He says, I told my wife, I'm coming. He says, let me, give me the phone. Put the phone, I can't think of his child, his son's name, put the phone to his ear. He said, I told him, I said, hey, it'd be like you telling Tyler or Joshua or Sydney, daddy is coming. You understand what I'm telling you? I will be there. You hold on. Don't leave. Don't do anything. You wait. Are you listening to me? You, you're going to be all right. I'm going to be there. Okay? You got that. That's going to happen to you until I get there. When I get there, it's going to be all right. But I'm coming. You just hold on. He said, why did I say that? He said, because I'm the father. It wasn't that his mother couldn't say it. She probably said that. But I wanted him to hear from his father. Listen to me. And when he was in the hospital room, he, he was going up and down. You know, he was getting stronger. He was getting weaker, stronger, weaker. And he was telling the nursing staff, my daddy's coming. <laughs> my, daddy's, my dad's coming. My daddy's coming. It's going to be all right. And he's, and he's like, okay. He said, no, you don't understand. He said he's coming. I'm going to be all right. My dad's coming. And he said when he walked into the hospital room, his son said, dad's here. He hadn't even come in the door yet. But he said, dad's here. He said, the next, thing I know, next thing they knew, I walked in the door. And they said, he knew you were here before you even walked in the door. He said, but I'm going to tell you something. He said, it's not that I have such great power, but I serve a great God. And I did not want to believe that God was through with my son yet. Now, he could have took him if that was his will. I can't go beyond that. We're all submissive to the will of God. But I wanted him to know that it's going to be all right. My great love for him was, I'm coming. I will be there. And we're going to, get to, we're going to work through this. And everything's going to be all right. And I thought to myself, that's a true father. There's times that I, as a father, have had to do that with my own children. I think of my son Joshua a couple years ago, and all that he went through. I'm like, you know what? I've always believed in prayer. I didn't start praying just because of that situation. I had prayed before that. That's why I say I had some things in the bank account so that when I needed him in that situation, God said, you got some bank, you got some money in the bank in prayers. Now you got something to work with. The problem is many of us don't have anything in the bank, and now we expect God to work through it. Put something in there. Be a man of faith. Be a man of God. Do the things that God wants you to do. Be faithful. Come and go and do. Serve and be all that God wants you to be. And when the moment comes that you really need to pray, you got something to draw on. I don't wait till crisis hits to pray to God. I pray to God every day. The biggest compliment, somebody says, is that a compliment? I took it as a compliment. My son told me, Joshua told me, he said, Dad. And the same thing with Tyler when he was going through his situation. 
Joshua told me a few months back, he said, Dad, I never thought that my own father would have to carry me to my honeymoon. I said, and it is what it is, son. It's all good. There, crisis is God. The rejoicing is God made a way. God delivered. It's got some things going on, but they're all right. I did it for them. I do it for Cindy. I do it for Sheila. I do it for any of you all. That's what love is all about. That's why God loved us enough that he sent his son. When we were at our worst, we were bad. We were sin. sin is not a good thing. Some of you don't like this idea, but it's, it's, the, it's the biblical model. A man, woman, boy, girl without God is condemned. That's who you are. You're dead men walking. Dead in trespasses and sin, and God cannot handle sin. But, <laughs> but, but thanks be to God. The, the, the cure, the remedy of that is you have the opportunity to accept his son. His son went to the cross to pay a debt that you and I could not pay. And that's why Paul could say, there's therefore, there's therefore now, present tense, active voice, not one-time action, but it's one-time happened with continuous results. There's therefore now no condemnation with the stipulation to those who are in Christ Jesus. I'm in Christ. Because I'm in Christ, I'm no longer condemned. That's why I can come on a Sunday morning and hear about his reckless love and see for myself as the words are coming up on the wall and I see how he went to great heights. He went through the, the valleys and the shadows and this and that, all because of little old me. Now, my question to us, or my question to you, is that with that great love that he did for you, how you can never repay what he did other than by your love and your obedience to doing what God wants you to do. You want to say thank you, Lord? You want to say I love you, Lord? You say that by obedience to his word with your time with your talent, with your substance, with your giving, with your learning, with your doing. That's how you say thank you. Amen? Fatherhood ain't no joke.